Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Pink Shade with Aaron Martin. This is a bonus podcast episode, and it is on the heels of big news this week that Thomas Ravenel has been charged with assault and battery in the second degree. After Dawn, we know her as Nanny Dawn, accused him of sexual assault. Bravo then confirmed that Thomas will not be returning as a cast member next season on Southern Charm. Thomas's attorney hasn't made any comments yet on what's going on, but after Thomas was booked at 10, 11 a.m. this past Tuesday by Charleston City Police Department. The court date was not named, but there will be one. The bond amount was stated as $0, and he was granted a $20,000 personal recognizance bond ordered to turn in his passport, avoid contact with Dawn, and not leave South Carolina in order that he shows back up at court. Now, Dawn and I have been talking, as all of you listeners know, since the spring about these charges, and they have now come to fruition. However, people have a lot of questions about them. The first thing I want to do is welcome Dawn back to the podcast. Thank you for talking to us again. Oh, you're welcome, and and thank you for having me back. And we were just briefly discussing this on the phone earlier today, but I was really curious about how you heard the news. In fact, as soon as I heard it, I was wondering, did Dawn know this was coming? Did she just hear about it when we did? So can you take us through that? I had no idea it was coming. I drove to South Carolina from North Carolina and stayed with my parents and visited with my grandfather who lived, you know, right outside of Charleston and was spending time with my family. Um, And the night before, in fact, I had stayed up at like almost two o'clock in the morning working on a special doll for Kenzie for Christmas. It was a, a doll that Catherine had given me to, you know, keep in safekeeping for Kenzie when she was old enough and to restore it because it's something that I've done for the past 20 years as a hobby. And so just to pass some time away and to keep my mind off things, I was working on this doll. And it was kind of ironic because uh, the next morning I wake up and I receive an email from the detective who was leading the case that there was an update and to, you know, call him immediately. And so I did. And he told me that there was a a warrant for Thomas's arrest the day before, and he was picked up that morning. So that's how I, I found out about the arrest. And he also informed me that there was going to be a hearing, um, to determine bond And I was given the option to be present at that hearing so that I could give a victim's impact statement. Oh, okay. And did you do that? Of course I did. Yeah. And as scary as, you know, it was, you know, I've been waiting for years for my voice to be heard. You know, I cut off all communication with with Thomas and um, for good reason. 
but I wanted him to hear, you know, what he has done to me and the impact it's had on me. But, you know, I'm not the only victim here. There are other people hurt regarding his crime. And that's my family as well as his. And there are children involved. Uh, My kids are almost, you know, adults now, but, you know, his kids are little. And, um, you know, through this whole child custody case, they they really needed um, some stability and um, some consistency. And during a very difficult time, you know, that sexual assault caused a lot of alienation between, you know, at the time it was Kenzie and me when she really needed that consistency. And I wanted him to hear that because I love Kenzie and I love Saint. He was just a baby when I was, I was forced to move on. Um, you know, the, the bullying and, you know, everything, all the drama that, that he was creating caused me to have to go to the emergency room and I was having chest pain and they thought I had a, a blood clot in my heart. And so I didn't have an MRI and, you know, it was a $10,000 bill. And, you know, I had no choice. I mean, it was, you know, in a literal and metaphorical sense, it was breaking my heart. And so I had no choice and he'd given half my hours to Deidre. So, um, you know, yeah. And so I said in my victim impact statement that, you know, he was treating this whole situation like um, like a war, like people win and lose. But we have all lost here. And I, I believe that it was quoted, you know, in the papers. And and it's confusing because it's like a random quote. People have no idea what I was referring to. That's what I was referring to. Um, I also made a statement that his fortune would never make me fortunate. Uh, what I was considering is that there's a common myth that women create false allegations mm-hmm. or sexual allegations against wealthy men to capitalize or be opportunist to be wealthy. I'm like, you know, I don't care about being wealthy. What makes me fortunate is the family that I have. Of course, the, the week that I spent um, outside of Charleston with my family is what made me fortunate in all the years I've had with my loving family and also the families that I've had the opportunity to be invited into, which would be with Kenzie and Saint. And the love of those children have made me fortunate. So um, all these excuses that people give and um, enable these uh, perpetrators, it's BS. I could care less about monetary things. All I care about is is people and the people that are important to me. And I guess I could say that um, there are people that I don't even know that I can include into that, and that's survivors or people who are trying to survive who need me as an advocate. Mm -hmm. And I will not stop advocating. I will not stop advocating for myself or for them. And um, there's been negative news out there regarding the charges because he was charged with um, second-degree assault and battery versus uh, first-degree you know, forcible rape. Yeah. Let's and go there into are that. reasons for that. Yeah. Yeah. So there are misconceptions and people are going wild with it so that they can say, Oh gosh, this guy, you know, all he did was like maybe, um, do some heavy petting on her or grope her. No, this guy did not grope me. He raped me. Okay. What the warrant. And I don't know. Did you read the warrant? I did. 
I read the warrant. And what do you feel about what you've read? Uh, it was graphic and disturbing, and it was rape. Do you feel that that sounds like a misdemeanor to you? No, it does not. And it, it that's the baffling part of this. I think that's why people have questions. Yeah. And so his attorney, you know, in court was saying that this is a misdemeanor. Like, no, it's a misdemeanor at this point during the bond hearing because the evidence that they're able to collect at this point, okay, that, that's very solid. This is what they can charge them with right now. But okay. this is all preliminary and this is all very early in the process. They can always elevate the charges as testimony is given, as evidence is, is continuing to be collected and evaluated. So there's a lot of people who think that Thomas is only guilty of sexual misconduct, of you know just groping me, or should we say grab him by the, and you can fill in the word. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he forced his hand in between my legs and penetrated me in a way that was very painful. So I will get graphic, just like the warrant says. And all of this will be part of my testimony. So all these people who think they know better than what I went through, they need to think twice before they start judging victims. And they are just perpetuating these people who are hurting victims. They are hurting. This guy's hurting people. Do you know already whether you will testify? I assume that that's a high possibility, probability. From what I understand and the information that I was given, and keep in mind that, you know, I was on short notice, very little sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, you know, when you receive a phone call that a guy that had committed a crime against you was arrested, you know, it's hard to take in everything that they're telling you. But from what I understand, there will be a separate hearing to determine whether there will be a trial in which I will testify. There is no way in hell that I won't. Right. And when you gave that victim statement, did you face Thomas? Did you come face to face with him? Was anyone else present that you knew? Was your family with you? Well, my family wasn't present with me because I was um, with my my parents that day. Okay, my parents are older. My dad needed to take my mother to the doctor. So that's a priority. And this was, you know, I only had hours notice and, and you know, where I live outside of Charleston is at least an hour and 15 minutes drive to where the hearing is. So, you know, I've got to prepare for all this. What little I did, there was a a victim's advocate available to me. It was not the one that I originated with because she's uh, moved on to another position, but uh, she was there for me and she stood next to me. We went into the courtroom. Everybody was taken out of the courtroom who was not involved with the case, you know, with Thomas, there was media there, probably at least three news stations. Film it, filming it? They filmed the victim statements? Yes. They, as far as I know, wow. uh, okay. there was a judge there. Um, Thomas was on a monitor. He was not in the courtroom. He was there on a monitor. When they did the victim's statement, he was not allowed to respond. He was to remain silent and listen to what I you know, needed to say. And most of what I needed to say revolved around you know, how much he has hurt me. Um, and the impact did not just involve me, it involved my family as well as his. Mm-hmm. And um, I, do, I do empathize with them too, especially Saint and Kenzie. 
I mean, I haven't seen them in a couple of years, but I can tell you, I love them just as much now. Yeah. Well, Dawn, I'm sorry. This is a major, major week for all of you. It's a major, it's a major week for, for women. Everywhere. It is. It is. It's, it's a week in a larger sense with so much other stuff going on as well, but I want to stay focused on this, but Thomas being arrested was a long time coming. I think when we're, when we're thinking about how, how long ago this happened, number one, and then when you brought the charges. Now we understand due process still needs to happen. You know, there is innocent until proven guilty, but at this point, do you feel heartened by the fact that he was even arrested, even if the charges aren't maybe where you would hope they would be yet, you know, that they still would be elevated to something else or, you know, what is your feeling about this? Well, at first, as we've spoken before, I had doubts because of what have ha- what had happened to Lauren. I know. Lauren Moser. But then on the other hand, I knew the cell phone that I had been saving for well over three years. This is a cell phone that I had since I began working for them. And I never deleted text messages or pictures or um, evidence off that phone. I knew I had that in my back pocket. So um, it had to be sent to forensics, of course. Um, and that's why it, it took quite a bit of time. Plus, there was a lot of witnesses. All these witnesses had to be interviewed. It, it took time. But I have to thank Detective Malinowski for being committed to this case. And although I had doubts, he came through for me. And I, I can't be um, disappointed with what he did. I mean, this is all preliminary and there's opportunity to elevate the charges, and um, I need to give my testimony. My um, witnesses will give theirs, and we'll go from there. But bottom line is, Thomas will have to answer to himself, okay? He can't run from that, and he won't have to, and he he can't um, get away from the fact that he'll have to answer to a higher God. In my own opinion, that's just my belief and my Mm -hmm. faith. You know, I I wish that he would be accountable and be honest, but for some reason, he just cannot admit to wrongdoings. In this case, it's a crime. And what do you think about the general feeling or the mood in Charleston or around Charleston? I saw that Catherine Dennis tweeted out yesterday that women were standing along the sides of the roads holding up signs that said, you know, we believe women or believe her or something supportive. And one, it was interesting that she's coming out and saying that, you know, after the arrest and Two, I'm wondering if any cast members have or will reach out to you and support directly. I still don't know if any cast members will reach out to me because I don't know what the gag order is and if, whether they'll lift that after, you know, now that the guy's arrested. Are they going to wait for this three-year trial now to, to keep these people, you know, in a, what, what would you want to call it, Aaron? <laughs> They're they're being silenced. I mean, but it's it's for legal reasons. I understand they're they are they are under a gag order, basically per their contracts as cast members on Southern Charm. Well, what would you say the mood is like down there, though? I mean, are you feeling supportive? Are you feeling a supportive vibe around you? I've had an influx of support, oh, good. overflowing good support. I'm steeped in love and compassion. And I'm so grateful for all the people that have reached out to me through all the the media outlets. And I'm sure that there are people that are just out there praying for my family and just, you know, praying for all survivors in general. And, you know, I'm so appreciative for that. 
and I'm such a soft hearted person, Aaron. Yeah, I know. And I just, um, this is not just about me. I'm a selfless person. This is about a lot of different women. And this may be a start. If you can take down somebody who has this kind of notoriety and has fame, has fortune, maybe it'll give a little bit of faith to somebody else that, that there will be justice for them too. Yeah. Even though it's been a hard road for you, I know you've gotten backlash. I know you withstood questions about your story, you know, which is your truth. And it's not easy, but you've stayed the course and now we're, we're at a different point. I mean, the arrest has happened. Yes. His bond amount was, was set at $0. That's disappointing, you know, but and the, like we said, the charges aren't necessarily where they need to be. However, it's better than nothing. I mean, we talked before about statistics. What are the statistics on an actual arrest even happening? It's so low. And, and what I feel personally, since I know him, the bond doesn't disappoint me. The numbers don't disappoint me. You know, the day or amount of time he spent in jail. I mean, he probably spends more time and money in, you know, at a date night at a home team barbecue than he did in jail that day. What disappoints me the most is that somebody that I knew and trusted in the beginning will not take responsibility for something he knew he did. I mean, he apologized to me for attacking me, but he will not take public responsibility for this. And it's so important because he does have a daughter. Would he want that for his child? Exactly. What do you see is happening now? Are you just going to wait until further notice what your next step is? Are you continuing to be an advocate for women? I know you are, but how are you doing that? I will never stop advocating. I, I think I tweeted that out today. I will never forget. I will not back down. I'm not releasing charges and, and I will never stop advocating. And that includes for myself. And that includes everybody else, women, anyone who has been um, a survivor of sexual assault. I'm standing up for everyone. I'm not standing by. Good for you. I think that you're inspiring a lot of women. And I think this is just the beginning in a lot of ways. I wanted to ask you one more thing before we get off the phone. And that is, sure. has Bravo or Haymaker, and Haymaker is the production company that creates Southern Charm. Bravo is, of course, the network that buys and distributes and promotes it. Have they ever reached out to you or have they reached out to you since the arrest? No, they have not. Okay. They had a good five months to reach out to me. No, they did not. <laughs> uh, did that surprise you? No, um, it actually doesn't because yeah. money talks. And I believe that this is more about money and their reputation than it ever will be about the feelings of a woman who always try to make the right decisions. And that includes the best choices and, you know, at the time, you know, it was just me and Kenzie, the best choices for a little girl. And I was doing the right thing. Not all this corrupt, immoral bullcrap that they have on a reality show. Do you feel like you might get a chance to reconcile? Not that you have an issue with Catherine and the kids, but do you feel like down the road that might be an opportunity for you one day for you to talk to Catherine and the kids? Of course. I, of course I do. And I just have to be patient. You know, I'll never stop loving them as a family. And I always said this, that, you know, I love Kenzie and Saint dearly. But, you know, their mom, she came as a package with them to love them as to love their mother. 
And so I always wanted to give her a second chance so that they could be connected to her. I wasn't a replacement for her. She is a, a priority in their life. They need their mom. You know, I just think the best of her and just want to pray for her, you know, through all this, because I know that it's such a, a difficult time. I mean, I haven't spoken to her in a, quite a while. Yeah. So I just, I pray for her and I pray for the family. I think um, that you need to take care of yourself, of course, right now. I mean, you need to really take care of yourself. And of course, Catherine is interested in taking care of her kids and herself right now too. I mean, she, that's what she mostly posts about. And I think that's where their heads are at. It's got to be difficult on them as well. Yeah. And I'm sure that people bombard her. Yeah, I'm sure they do. With, um, you know, tweets and, um, you know, Instagram messages like what now, blah, blah, blah. Well, in the right now, you have to just focus on what's most important and your priorities, your children, not responding to things on the internet. And so she has it right. I mean, just worry about those little kids. That's what they need right now is, is, is her complete attention. And so that's what we need to understand. Absolutely. Do you feel like there's anything else you want to say at this juncture? I mean, this is all brand new this week and you must be exhausted. I am. And I'm sure it's coming through, um, that I feel emotionally charged right now. You know, some, you know, this is a, a, I guess an example to other people that may be going through what I'm going through, that you'll have days where you'll be angry or that you'll be depressed or you'll be anxious or you'll doubt yourself or you'll loathe yourself. And, um, and it, it could be different from one day to the next, but at the very end is the, the goal that they are going to be accountable and that we are going to um, go through a journey of, of healing and that we'll get back to doing the same things that we used to do without the constant fear and the, the you know, the flashbacks and thoughts of, of what happened to us. And it doesn't confine us it, and it, it does not, you know, define us either. Right. And so I'm Nanny Dawn. I'm not, you know, the victim of, of Thomas Ravenel. There are a lot of things that I do. One thing I know now is I, that I do well survive. So he taught me that. <laughs> Thank you, Thomas. And you know, this is, this is the start of justice happening in a legal way. And again, due process will need to occur, but we're going to see this play out in a public court. And I feel like people are going to be much more informed about the details of this case and who Thomas is, you know, whatever, whatever that might, whatever might unfold from there. But it's been a lot of speculation and a lot of people just taking sides or being on teams so far without really knowing what they're arguing for. So I, you know, I appreciate you just being an advocate for survivors everywhere. I think you standing up like this and you speaking out, you not seeking money or fame, you know, you're, you're doing this for other survivors and for yourself, for your own healing. Like you said, most of all, that's at least the way I see it. I just really admire you, Don. I'm, I'm lucky to know you. Oh, thank you, Aaron. And, and again, I need to thank all these people who have shown their support in so many ways. They took their time out of their days. Sometimes it's been multiple times over the past five months just to send me a message to say, I'm thinking about you. And to keep the faith and be strong. If it weren't for that, I don't know if I could have done it. So these people are listening 
just know that um, you are so appreciated and thank you. That's I'm so glad to hear that. I'm so glad to hear that people have reached out to you because there is a real strength when you know that, you know, it's not the silent majority out there that's supporting you. We need to be vocal about supporting women and it's so important. So I'm glad to hear that, Dawn. Well, I'm, I'm here for you. Many of us are, many of you, many of us are behind you and I'm glad you're still here and you're still doing what you're doing. You're advocating. So thank you for coming on today. Thank you for talking about this. I hope that a measure of peace is visited upon you. I know that there's many steps to take down this road still. And, you know, we'll talk again as it unfolds. I appreciate it so much, um, Aaron. And let's talk again soon. Okay. Thank you, Dawn, for coming on and telling us your update on what's going on with Thomas Ravenel's recent arrest. I want to remind everyone who's listening to come over to the Pink Shade with Aaron Martin Facebook group where we can have a conversation about this and much more, a lot more lighthearted stuff going on over there. But sometimes there is a need for a serious topic like this to be addressed. And Thomas Ravenel is a reality TV personality. Southern Charm is a reality TV show that many of us watch and many of us have been following these charges and are wondering what's going to happen next. If you want to support Dawn, remember to reach out to her at Retro Lovin. You can see that in the show notes. I will link up her Twitter there. She is also a member of the Pink Shade with Aaron Martin Facebook group. You can reach out to me if you go to pinkshadewitharonmartin.com, you can find my email address there, or you can follow me at Aaron Leah Martin on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening today. I know this is tough content, and I appreciate you being interested in something like this in the midst of all of the silly, goofy stuff we talk about. Again, thank you, Don. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.